Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat, Boston Sports Podcast. Today on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the NBA Draft Boston Celtics edition, what moves they made, what trades on draft night took place, what led up to draft night, and probably one of the biggest trade uh, that took place for Brad Stevens in his tenure that could make or break his uh, reputation. And uh, this uh, is uh, going to be a lot to talk about, so let's get started and go from there. So what seemed like a very unsure offseason already has starting off with a bang. When draft night came, there was already so much fire that has uh, taken place in Boston, and it seems like Brad Stevens is just winning at every corner, and what was going on pre-draft, like the day before, there were reports that the Celtics were interested in Kristaps Porzingis, they were interested in trading away Brogdon, and what I saw was the Clippers were the third team that was going to take Brogdon, and then like Marcus Morris, Amir Coffey, and the 30th overall pick were going to go to um, Washington alongside Gallinari. Uh, it was basically going to be Marcus Morris and Gallinari and Amir Coffey in the 30th pick. And that was going to go for um, the Wizards. Celtics would get Porzingis straight up. And then Brogdon would go to the Clippers. Now, what ended up happening was the Clippers backed out of this deal because they had really... No idea about the medical situation of Malcolm Brogdon. And it really didn't seem like there was a time to do anything. Um, what reports we saw were that Porzingis had the option to extend his uh, decision 24 hours, but chose not to, to put some pressure on the Celtics, which I will discuss that in a minute. But it meant that uh, for the Clippers, they didn't have enough time to do any sort of uh, due diligence on Malcolm Brogdon. Now, a lot of analysts, non-Celtics ones, were talking about how they were skeptical of, of Brogdon and the injury and he was going to be out for a while. That's not really true. He's going to have some injury issues, but Celtics side of things, they say he'll be ready by the start of the season. Um, but I just think the Clippers didn't have their time to you know, go and you know, see this through, especially with the deadline that was Porzingis. And the fact that Washington and Boston wanted to get this done. Clippers didn't have on their time frame enough to look at Brogdon and say, hey, uh, this is uh, what we're looking for. Or, hey, this is how it's going. Because, you know, if they had gotten a full look, maybe they would have said, hey, we're not going to trade the 30th pick. Or they would have said, hey, we're not going to, you know, trade Amir Coffee. Or, hey, we're not going to do this deal without getting this. And so it was a situation where I felt like, you know, from all the articles I was reading and all the tweets was that they just couldn't get a full uh, diagnostics on Brogdon before um, they accepted this trade. And so they backed out. So the Celtics had to scramble. And uh, a lot of times the trades that happen are the trades that actually are never talked about. And the Celtics decide to go in a whole new direction. And mind you, the Clippers side of things ended at, I think it was like 10, 1030. So they basically said they were out by that point. So Brad Stevens and Washington had to get everything together. Because Washington had as much motivation as anyone. Because Porzingis, who knows if he would have stayed? Who knows if he would have stayed in Washington? So he could have opted out if uh, nothing got done. 
And when Porzingis' camp heard that Boston was on the phone, they're probably like, let's let's get this moving. And, you know, it took uh, till the last minute to get this done, but the Celtics decided to throw us a curveball, and it broke almost every Celtics fan's heart because we traded away Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies. We got two picks out of it, and Porzingis, and then Tyus Jones, Polinari, Mike Muscala, and the 35th pick went to... Uh, the Wizards. So this was a gut punch to a lot of Celtics fans, myself included, uh, losing Marcus Smart in this because it was all assumed that Brogdon would be the man out the door. Now, I personally had said on previous podcasts, and I've said it on Reddit, um, that I think Marcus Smart might be the guy that had to get moved because I felt like Tatum, Brown, and uh, you know Smart had run their course and somebody had to go because we couldn't see if this team could win a championship with those three guys still here. You had to see if you get rid of one of them, what's the uh, equation going to look like. And so Marcus Smart got traded in this to Memphis. Uh, Everybody is saying that he is going to fit beautifully in Memphis, and he'll take over for John Morant in those 25 games suspension, and then he'll play complimentary to John Morant and hopefully you know, be a voice for... uh, the Grizzlies and more so a voice in John Morant's ear to kind of steer him in the right direction. But the Celtics, you know, you lose something like that. And uh, before I get to my thoughts on the trade overall, I want to talk about Marcus Smart in this because he was blindsided by all of this. And what I heard recently was uh, he ended up coming back to the practice facility one more time to meet with Brad Stevens before he was gone. And, you know, Marcus Smart is the epitome of the Celtics and the epitome of Boston. And he loved this city with all of his heart. And I was listening to uh, uh, NBA radio on Sirius, and they were talking about how Marcus Smart was Boston. Like, they were talking about how Jalen Brown isn't as committed to Boston in the sense of, like, he's in it like Marcus Smart was. You know, Jalen Brown is here. He got drafted here. They're a great team. They're a championship team. And I don't see him going anywhere at the moment. But it's not like he's in love with Boston, like Marcus Smart rode with this city. And, you know, it's tough because he was the voice. He was the leader. Um, He was the guy who kind of kept Tatum and Brown in check because you have Tatum and Brown who are both very good players. Tatum is the best player on the Celtics, and he knows that. And then you have Jalen Brown who has great games and... You know, Marcus Smart probably had to go in there and kind of tell Jalen Brown, hey, you're not number one, but you're a number two, and you're a very good number two, and you have to kind of stay in your lane and be productive. And Marcus Smart was a guy that everyone just loved, and Celtics fans loved him, and he was one of those guys who just had so much of an impact on this city. And his hustle, his grind, he was Boston, and... It's going to be sad to see him go, uh, and it's going to be very sad that he is not on this team anymore. But they had to get rid of a guard. That's what they wanted to do, and Marcus Smart was that guard. They basically sold him when his value was potentially at his highest because they got two first-round picks. Now, um, there are a lot of people on social media, especially very distraught Celtics fans who uh, need a panic room right now for the situation that has just taken place that are saying that Marcus Smart deserves his number retired in the rafters of TD Garden. So I want to just make something clear. Marcus Smart was the Boston Celtics, and he bleeds green. 
even though he is now in Memphis. But he is not a guy who deserves any sort of uh, banners uh, with his number in the rafters. Like Paul Pierce and Larry Bird and Bill Russell all deserve their number up there. Kevin Garnett played six years in Boston and was a champion, almost won two rings, has been an all-star with Boston. Like, if you're a Hall of Famer, uh, you deserve your number up in those rafters. And, you know... If you are someone who has had a great career, you deserve your uh, number up in those rafters. And Jalen Brown, in all he's done in his career, has a better chance of playing uh, one season and leaving in Boston and then having his number up in the rafters over Marcus Smart. Even though Marcus Smart might play more years in Boston, uh, Jalen Brown had a better all-star career, at least the last few years, um, just as an example. But, you know, Marcus Smart does not deserve his number in the Raptors. He is a Celtics legend, but he does not deserve his numbers anywhere up there because he hasn't done anything besides one Defensive Player of the Year award to deserve any sort of number in the Raptors. Your number gets retired because you were a monster mental player in the league and for this team. They haven't won a championship with Smart. And, you know, none of the numbers in the Raptors are guys out there who haven't won a championship in Boston. Like, there's no number out there in that Raptors that hasn't won a championship. Between all the older players with the Bill Russell years, between the Larry Bird era, between all these guys in, uh, you know, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, uh, like, they got rings. Marcus Smart doesn't. His number does not deserve to be in the Raptors. So, uh, I love Marcus Smart, but no, he's... uh, not getting that number retired, and all the Celtics fans who say that, just stop, because, you know, I know you're having a tough time processing all of this. Now, all that being said, let's look at this trade, and we're also going to look at why Brad Stevens is a master at getting things done. Um, This trade was a win times a thousand for the Celtics, and I look at this trade from two uh, separate trades in one. So the first trade is Marcus Smart for two first-round picks. Now, Marcus Smart's great, but I don't know if he's worth two first-round picks. And um, obviously, the 25th pick for Memphis, it got moved around, which we'll talk about. But they have, uh, you know, a bunch of second-round picks that came from that. Again, we'll talk about that. But still, the value there is just so great for what you get out of Marcus Smart, you know. And that Golden State pick. Obviously, they added Chris Paul, which means, A, we're probably going to get that pick anyways, and B, it's top four protected. But it could end up being in the teens, and if you get a 17th pick or a 19th pick from Golden State uh, in this deal, like that's, that's pretty good value. And so that's a, a great deal in and of itself. And then you have what I consider deal number two, which is Gallinari, Muscala, pick 35, and Tyus Jones for Kristaps Porzingis. And that in and of itself is a great deal because Porzingis is a 21-8 guy. And he is a stretch big. He can uh, defend well. He can score in the low post. He can shoot the three. He is going to be a problem for anyone who has to defend him. And Kristaps Porzingis played his most games. I think he played 65 games last season, so the most in his career. And the thing that a lot of NBA fans are saying right now is that You know, he is someone who in New York couldn't really handle the spotlight, couldn't really handle being the guy in New York City, and they don't know if that's going to translate to Boston. But here's the thing. He does not have to be the guy. He is, in theory, their third best behind Tatum and Brown. 
So he doesn't have to step into that media role. He doesn't have to be the guy. He just has to do his game and score. And, you know, Porzingis is a great player. And I honestly can't wait. And I think that the Celtics should pounce on this right away. Kevin Garnett was a stretch big in a sense. He couldn't really hit the three, but he could hit the two-point shot and could do a lot of the same stuff. And, you know, Kevin Garnett would be someone I would love to see, like, mentor Porzingis a little bit and give him some guidance. Come back to practice facility and training camp and, you know, give him some pointers because that would be important to have someone with that experience in the NBA and the Celtics experience to give you those kind of one-on-one sort of um, tips and stuff. And so I think Porzingis is going to really do well here. And I honestly think Brad Stevens, every single trade in his tenure has, to this point, been a masterclass of just getting it done. Brad Stevens took what Danny Ainge showed everyone and was like, nope, I can do it better. And he has been killing it. And a lot of people say, well, we don't know about this trade yet. We don't know about, you know, if Porzingis gets injured and Smart. I mean, Smart's by no means the healthiest player in the NBA. And he had his issues with health as well, as does everyone. So who's to say that Marcus Smart's not going to have an injury and get hurt in, you know, the first week of NBA games and he's out for two weeks or he's out for a month, you know? So all NBA players to a degree have injury issues throughout the year, some more than others. And I understand that, a, you know, 6'3 guard is a lot... Uh, more durable than a 7-1 center because uh, big men tend to have more injuries in general and just the durability is not there. But I think Porzingis is a good player and given the right role with this team, it's going to be great. And especially seeing as you have Al Horford, you have Robert Williams, like it's not like he's going to have to be like a guy who has to play 40 minutes a night. He could play 30 minutes. He could play, you know, whatever you need him to play and you know, he can stay healthy, and that's important for the Celtics. And now this gives you another angle to this team because you have him as more of your, you know, three-point big, and then you have Robert Williams who's more of your block shots defensive big. And if Robert Williams improves even more so, then that's going to be great. And you also have Al Horford here who can kind of mentor a little bit um, Kristaps Porzingis, which is important as well because, um, you know, if they do have Kevin Garnett mentor him a little bit or come back and show him some tips. And, you know, if you have uh, uh, Al Horford doing that on a nightly basis, um, just from, you know, conversations or whatever, just practice and this and that, you know, that's going to be big for Porzingis. And, you know, I think this is going to be a good spot for him. And I think this is exactly what the Celtics needed. And, yes, it's going to be very, very hard to see Marcus Smart in another uniform. But when you can get this package and... You know, two first-round picks in Porzingis, and what you gave up was basically just Marcus Smart and Gallinari um, in the 35th pick uh, and Mascala. That's that's pretty good. So at the end of the day, I'm happy about this trade. I think the Celtics killed it. I think this was actually a good trade for every team because maybe Memphis gave up a little bit too much, but I think, you know, it's a good trade all around because they get something that they could use, and I think the Wizards just getting off of the big Porzingis contract that's obviously something that's important um, for sure. Um, and I also uh, want to talk about something that I saw which involves Marcus Smart uh, potentially. Um, and this was pre-Wizard uh, you know, stuff. 
Uh, and then I'm going to talk about the draft. But there was a report from Yahoo Sports' Jake Fisher um, that apparently Golden State was in on talks with the Celtics for a Jordan Poole deal. Jordan Poole went to the Wizards, um, and uh, I guess uh, that was what they were looking for beforehand. Um, and uh, Jordan Poole ended up getting moved uh, in the Chris Paul deal. Um, and so it was uh, two different moves that kind of eventually, uh, you know, Jordan Poole got moved and Marcus Smart got moved. And we'll see if it works out for uh, both sides. But Washington can use Jordan Poole a lot more than I think the Celtics can. And I like Porzingis' fit more than Jordan Poole's fit in Boston. So, um, you know, Porzingis is the better player for them. And I'm not complaining uh, that things turned out the way that they did. Um, so that is uh, something to uh, uh, to say. Now, one thing that I want to discuss is the Brogdon side of things because Malcolm Brogdon was almost traded and now is still in Boston and Mark Smart got traded. So how do you come back from that as the Celtics? How do you come back to kind of get Marcus uh, Smart out of the equation and you basically come to Brogdon? How do you tell him, you know, that you know, this situation took place and now, you know, he's still here. And, you know, I think obviously Malcolm Brogdon knows that this is a business and sometimes you have to make business decisions. But the Celtics at least need to reassure him that he is still a part of this team and he still has value to this team. And he is someone that is, uh, you know, a, a valued member of the Celtics and someone that needs to feel like they are uh, a part of this team. Um, and so I think... Uh, Brogdon's going to be fine with all of this, and I think he's actually going to like it more now because his role is going to be a lot more expanded. And so he's probably going to be a lot happier because, yes, Derek White's going to start, but I think Brogdon will play a lot as well, and I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue. Now, the question that I have, which is probably a question that a lot of people have, is Peyton Pritchard on the market still, or is he going to stay? Is he going to be happy not getting moved? Does he still want to get moved? Does he realize that his role could increase significantly? So I'm going to be honest when I say this. The Celtics are probably going to keep Peyton Pritchard because he's cheap and he was a decent player when he did get his minutes. And so the Celtics are probably going to go to Peyton Pritchard and say, look, we're going to keep you. You're going to get a bigger role and you're going to get some of those Marcus Smart minutes. You're going to eat those up. Um, obviously, Derek White's going to get minutes and Brogdon as well, more minutes than they were getting before. But I think, you know, Peyton Pritchard is going to get a bigger role. And maybe he'll like that. Maybe he still wants to get moved. Maybe they will still move him. But I think because of his contract, he is someone that honestly is uh, going to be probably sticking around because it's hard to, to, to look at that situation and, you know, not keep him uh, because of... Uh, you know, the situation with the new CBA and money is tight, and that's um, something that they'll have to uh, think about. So, uh, on to draft night. One of the two draft picks that the Boston Celtics ended up snagging comes at number 25. It was Memphis's first-round pick this year. The Celtics also got a Golden State Warriors top-four protected first-round pick. So, when it came to pick number 25... The Boston Celtics moved all the way down to pick number 31. They made a trade with the Pistons, ended up moving down in the draft. Then they moved down to pick number 34. Um, and uh, they had, I believe it was pick 34 and um, pick 
39. They made a trade uh, there. And then they moved down to 38, and they traded uh, later on that other uh, second-round pick, which I believe was 39. And uh, they got some future second-round picks as well. So um, they ended up getting Jordan Walsh, who is a uh, small forward shooting guard, 6'6". Um, and uh, apparently he was someone on their radar. Brad Stevens looked at guys at 35, and he probably found some that he liked, and he was like, well... Why am I going to keep this pick when I can trade down and get someone who I wanted at 35? So he traded down. So now they have a 2024 second round pick from Dallas, a 2025 second round pick, best of Detroit, Golden State, or Washington, 2026 second round pick, best of Minnesota, New Orleans, New York, or Portland, 2027 second round pick, Atlanta. So they added in four future second round picks with Jordan Walsh for pick number 25. So I honestly don't know anything to there is to know about Jordan Walsh. I am a fan of college basketball, um, but I don't know a ton on his uh, talent. Um, and so I've been kind of trying to look a little bit uh, at this guy. Um, he is uh, an Arkansas freshman um, and has a ton of uh, potential with his team. Um, as a wing, um, and so they ended up uh, trading down again and uh, drafted uh, James Nanji on behalf of the Charlotte Hornets. So that's the the pick at 31. They traded for 34 and 39, and then they uh, traded 34 for uh, 38 in a future second, uh, Colby Jones, uh, and then um, they ended up. Uh, keep uh, going down the line, um, and then uh, all we were left with this year was Jordan Walsh. Uh, freshman from Arkansas, this is on CelticsBlog.com, uh, averaged 7 points per game on 43% shooting from the field and 28% from 3. Uh, in his lone season with the Razorbacks, uh, he has uh, potential. Uh, he's pretty decent on defense. Um, I was reading that they were looking at a guy uh, from Marquette, Oliver Maxtis, uh uh, Princess, I think, um, uh, and uh, he was uh, ended up being drafted one pick before the Boston Celtics could actually uh, make a selection, and so uh, they ended up moving down and ended up snagging uh, Jordan Walsh, and so uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits into the equation. Obviously, there's Sam Hauser in there, but you know who knows uh, where Brad Stevens is going to go f with this one, and so. Um, he also added a bunch of second round picks, and this is something that's interesting, is that eventually the CBA is going to cause a lot of teams to consider uh, what their situation is with contracts and players, and the Celtics have two supermaxes with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum coming up, so they're going to need all of the uh, contracts to be cheap because Tatum and Brown are going to cost so much, so having a Slurry of second-round picks is definitely something that helps because you can add guys uh, on, you know, second-round money. And it's actually uh, a great situation for the Celtics to kind of round out the bottom of their roster because they can basically just draft a bunch of guys and make that happen. So um, that was probably a factor as to why the Celtics moved down from 25 to 31 in the first place was to get into the second round get some extra picks in the second round, which can help them in the future. And they just kept going, and, you know, 
they were looking at Jordan Walsh at 35, and they wanted him. And so, uh, you know, he is someone who um, is going to be a good player, hopefully, in Boston. And I just want to kind of end with this, which is obviously, you know, the Celtics and Brad Stevens are always going to make the right moves. And you have to trust what Brad Stevens does. And sometimes he makes moves that rip your heart out. And sometimes he makes moves that are just uh, easy. And, you know, this was not an easy move um, for the Celtics in the sense of getting rid of Mark Smart. It was an easy move because of the value standpoint. It's a home run. But it's tough when you get rid of someone who's just such a part of your team. And so I think they are going to be all right. But, uh, you know, I think Marcus Smart, that's a tough blow because of what he meant to this team.